Google, Facebook, Microsoft have the right to take all of this data and sell it and make money off of it, which you can you can argue, well, that's good because then I get the exact products. And when I just have a conversation about cats, it shows up in my YouTube feed or whatever. Uh, if you're kind of a hyper libertarian, well, then that's maybe a good thing. But what what I'm trying to suggest is that because it so heavily promotes hyper individuality, what's happening is we're playing out these life scripts unknowingly. Consciousness, the notion of the self, personality structure, transactional analysis, symbiosis, Zen Buddhism, teacher-student relationship, training yourself in how to think. To subvert is to undermine the existing system of inscribed power and authority. What's happening in the digital space, the virtual world. Much of us live in a hyper-stimulated present where language itself has become the info currency in the sequence of corporate capitalism. The injunction of the virtual world is... The gatekeepers of our speech and written word are global tech monopolies. We cannot transcend or go beyond our lack through craving. What are we going to do? How are we going to live our life? The subversive therapist is about what the virtual world is doing to us and what we can do about it. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Andrew Archer. Following up on the last podcast, talking about our life script which is a decision made as a small child in terms of how we're going to live based on our cultural conditioning. Uh, lots of things, including, you know, where and when we were born. Was our, did our parents plan the pregnancy? Was it an accident? Was there an abortion potentially laid out? Uh, who we were named after? The, lots of, like, sort of details. But then, of course, how you were taken care of as a kid, and you decide to live your life in a certain way. So the the most dramatic example is is Truman Burbank. Uh, he has a literal kind of script. All the the people in the show are actors following directives from Kristoff, who's the producer that sits in his office inside the moon and Sea Haven with the whole production staff. And so it appears that Truman is acting autonomously, at least from his perspective, that he is self-determined, he's acting on his own behalf, but his whole social world is culturally constructed, and of course it's manipulated by the actors and Kristoff, etc. So one of the things that that Byrne, Eric Byrne, the founder of Transactional Analysis, laid out was that there are illusions and delusions for all of us. The one main one is that we're autonomous, uh, is that we're separate. And Zen, you know, looks at this in a poignant way. Is that no, we're actually all interdependent and that there's all these causes and conditions and contingencies so that everything is co-dependently arising. Um, And think about language itself. You don't learn it in a cave by yourself. Of course, a lot of people are learning it from machines rather than from their mother, but it's taught to you in a social way. You have relationships with people and their language and their idioms and how they say things and accent. And so what happens is you you believe that your thinking that's in your mind was 
was constructed independently. But all that thinking happened relationally. So Byrne talked about how the adult ego state is contaminated by this delusion in the parent ego state that we're autonomous. And so Jim Carrey's character, Truman Burbank, obviously wakes up to the sort of fiction that he's living in, and he wonders if he was real. Was he really making any choices? And of course, he wasn't because it was all scripted uh, for him. And there were injunctions. And the main one, which is dominant in our culture now, was don't think. As soon as he started thinking for himself and talking about Fiji and getting off the island, everyone basically said, don't think, or you can't do that, etc. And so his script was a, was a mindless kind of script. Is don't think, just go with the flow, do what you're told, be obedient. These are very dominant aspects of, the, of American culture, the conformity, the hyper-individuality. And so thinking about The Truman Show in that uh, idea of script, it's important to tie it to these actors like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, these big tech companies that are really just reliant on data. And it's all an advertising model. It's not a surprise that Amazon started by selling books. Why? Because the books you buy and read tell a company a lot about who you are in your personality. So it wasn't by chance that he picked books to start with, and now he has basically this own his own government that he that Bezos is running, or that he's stepping down from, and he's going to go to space, which is fine with me if he stays there. Um, <clears throat> so when we think about the virtual world and the ones that are you know, directing us and have these injunctions, which is a negation of activity. The injunction is don't think, you know, let Google think for you or your virtual assistant, etc. All these companies and their computer-mediated technology is what Shoshana Zuboff calls Big Other, in reference to Big Brother from Orwell's 1984. And in 1984, Big Other was a totalitarian uh, regime. You know, there was the thought police and all that. With Big Other, what Zuboff points out is that it's amoral. It's a network, so the loudest, you know, voice, so to speak, in the network is what becomes, you know, the most valuable content, etc. Maybe that now they are kicking off neo-Nazis and other, they're certainly censoring people on the left uh, more so. But the point being that the logic is get more data, get more data, get more data. I mean, it's interesting in Zuboff's book how when Google um, Earth was getting started up and Google Maps, you know, they had all these vans and cars that were driving around taking pictures of everything. And it turns out well, they were doing that. They were also using technology to grab uh, people's Wi-Fi logins and stealing their information and data. So they weren't just taking pictures. And that that tells you about what's actually going on behind the scene is this kind of 
coercion, manipulation, hurting. Another example is with Facebook. They figured out that if they put a voting badge at the top of the news feed a number of years ago, uh, that that would affect in a in a statistically significant way how many more people would vote because of that. Would you think, well, maybe that's not a bad thing. They also figured out that if they change some of the language in the headings of posts and descriptions of posts, they could change people's mood based on what was um, in the newsfeed. So when we think about that, we can think about Big Other as being like Kristoff in uh, The Truman Show. They're, you know, pulling the switches, you know, um, controlling uh, the aspects of the virtual world. But it, it's not it's not totalitarian in the sense of Big Brother from Orwell's 1984. Uh, there isn't some conspiracy about them trying to persecute us, etc. But what they are controlling is the frames of reference. Of course, you see that in the censorship of Trump. Um, the narratives, the censoring information about COVID and, and the supposed insurrection in January. Um, and what they're putting forward in terms of frames of reference, and this is the virtual world itself, is that you are the part of yourself that's in competition with everyone, including yourself. So everything is metrics about how many likes you have, how many, how much you influence, you know, your virality in terms of your content. Um, it's all about growth and competition, which of course uh, reinforces, you know, the economic system that we're living in, etc. It's this kind of hyper individuality, and it has you suspended in the moment, so we can't actually think and imagine imagine ways outside of, you know, what Mark Fisher calls capitalist realism. So Big Other is like Kristoff in this sort of production team that are promoting certain frames of reference and, of course, censoring other ones. What do they do when when uh, Truman tries to leave the island? You know, they hit him with storms and, and do all these, these things. So that's what I wanted to kind of add to the discussion about the script is that it's not that, you know, we're, we're being watched and controlled. I mean, in a way, it's all surveillance, but because it's algorithmic systems that don't, don't have a moral impulse, they're just, once I do this and I do that, and it's one, two, three, four, you know, it's this, these binary choices, the only real... Um, ideology about it is that is that these Kristoff, so to speak, the Google, Facebook, Microsoft have the right to take all of this data and sell it and make money off of it. Which you can you can argue, well, that's good because then I get the exact products, and when I just have a conversation about cats, it shows up in my YouTube feed or whatever. Uh, if you're kind of a hyper libertarian, well, then that's maybe a good thing. But what what I'm trying to suggest is that because it so heavily promotes hyper-individuality, what's happening is we're playing out these life scripts unknowingly because we're reifying this part of us that craves, this part that feels a sense of lack, and most of it is about, you know, raising our status and, and money and greed and all that. 
um, in in order to realize that cultural conditioning and flip the script is what they say in transactional analysis you have to have real relationships with real people and my suggestion is a teacher-student paradigm that comes from my training in Zen that you're meeting with people outside of your immediate family system to understand yourself understand the world what's happening and that that just will not happen in these echo chambers of our own self noise that is the virtual space what you want is what you get if you like this you'll love that you're just getting more of yourself over and over again and it's this basic persona or the little Donald Trump in our heads is that kind of information entertainment and of course it's divorcing us from a print-based reality it's all symbols memes you know that's the information flow that we're getting on a 24 hour a day basis okay here's the last thing so comparing big other with the big brother of 1984 because it's not uh, a conspiracy grand plan to uh, dominate people necessarily the arrangement that zuboff lays out is one of complete dependency so the the, the relationship with the virtual world, like I've talked about, is a passive one. And we end up being completely dependent on these entities that are actually um, disempowering us, certainly as a global society. And the example there would be with uh, the Japanese novel, The Memory Police, where everything on this island is disappearing and everybody just basically throws up their hands and says, oh dear, and goes back to whatever they're doing, not able to come together as a group and decide collectively what to do, that we need social movements, just like in the 60s, to push the, the elites to make changes. Universal basic income, healthcare, government-run healthcare, um, living wages, you know, equality across the sexes, you know, disarming the military, you know, lots of just sort of obvious things that we can afford, but we've been living under this mythology of scarcity, that there's not enough to do any of these social programs. And 45 years into neoliberalism, we're convinced that the market is going to solve all of our problems and that competition is the ethos. So what we can do uh, as individuals, is to try and divorce ourselves as much as possible from the virtual world. And I know that's not as easy for some versus others, but Byrne talked about disobeying the parent ego state. And if we think of culture in a way as the parent ego state, which is being disseminated uh, in the virtual world through these online platforms, we need to be disobedient, even though maybe you feel guilty or that you're being defiant in some way by not checking your Snapchat every six seconds, disobeying this and thinking for yourself, imagining and connecting with people in the real world, these teacher-student relationships, is one thing, uh, along with meditation, Zen practice, is really the only thing I've got. And so that's what I'm uh, promoting, that's what I'm doing in the real world, teaching meditation, 
having dialogues with people that are very different <laughs> from me. That's maybe another thing for the intro. I'm living in southern Minnesota, which is not easy for someone uh, on the left um, to have conversations uh, with people that are, well, I'm not even going to go into <laughs> all that. But the p- point is, is that you have to uh, stay or have access to the adult ego state so that you can listen to people that are uh that you would tend to see as different or other uh, than you, and that we're all the same in the sense of this parent-adult-child structure, uh, and to start recognizing that more. But the the virtual world is only going to promote this idea of a singular, solid, separate self across time, and that's who you are, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll get into, you know, what do I mean in terms of this hyper-individualism? Ron Purser has a great book called McMindfulness, uh, how mindfulness became a capitalist spirituality. We can talk about that. We can talk about Shoshana Zuboff's articulation of neoliberalism and individuality. And of course, Eric Fromm wrote a lot about this in the, the 20th century. And then using that story, the memory police, as a kind of metaphor for what's happening as we ourselves are disappearing because the physical body is uh, Franco Berardi writes about in his book heroes the social organism it's just the brain the the cognitive activity in the body is just withering away uh, and that's basically what happens in the book the memory police and so zen is an embodied practice uh, you don't need to quote unquote know anything you sit down on a meditation cushion with others with yourself uh and you focus on stillness still in the body so i think that's all i got For now, thanks for listening. I'm Andrew Archer, the Subversive Therapist.